Welcome to Clarity 2.0. We did 1.0 last week, this week 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. In the next four weeks, we're going to do a high skip and jump through the book of Colossians. And we are looking at this, this, this study. And I just want to give you a big warning about life. Don't live the disillusional life. Don't get sucked into the vortex and all the confusion of our day and age. And it seems like it's more and more confusing the more and more we go on about life. I don't know about you, but we used to watch the news. Now we watch fake news. Uh, everything's fake news if you don't like the news. It's like CNN's mantra is uh, the most trusted news source. I don't know about that. Uh, Fox News, fair and balanced. I certainly don't know about that one. You know, so where do you get real viable, just the facts, please, kind of news. I don't know. In this, in this day and age, again, you can become disillusioned and deceived by it all. We have gone from real life and blood, people, friends, family that we sit down and we talk to in 3D form, to we like screen friends. We like virtual friends. We will literally, you'll notice this. You go to a restaurant, you'll see people at a table with family sitting in a circle. And what are they doing? They're doing this right here. And they were, they're more involved with their virtual world than they are with their real world. Again, I, 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 sometimes I look at this and I go, and I'm a part of the culture too. I'm all in it. But sometimes we, 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 we're, we're measuring our relationships based on TikTok or Insta stories and likes and, and, and follows and all this kind of stuff. I'm, 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 I'm kind of become disillusioned with it. But, so be careful that you don't get sucked into that. Again, lots of confusion out there. Confusion even around gender. There's the birth gender, but then there's the gender I identify with. And again, this is not a message about that topic, but it's just another example of how there's a lot of disillusionment, a lot of, a lot of things out there that are pulling us away from some viable truth that we can build our life on. In fact, we've used that phrase dysphoria, gender dysphoria, or, or as, as it's been called today. And literally, you look up the word dysphoria, and what does it mean? It means this. It's a state of unease, a general dissatisfaction with me, a dissatisfaction with life, dissatisfaction with what's going on. So when people are struggling with, again, I'm not making light of this. In fact, I'm trying to be sensitive to it and trying to be aware that there's a lot of things that are pulling us into different realities that are, which is the truth though. How can I build my life on it? And and this whole dysphoria of I'm just unhappy and I don't like my life and I don't like what I have. That's the reality that some people are living in. And, you know, the antonym or the opposite of dysphoria. This is a Greek word. It's the basis of this is euphoria. And I, I, I like, I, I want to go to euphoria. I don't want to go to dysphoria. I want to go to the, to the world in which I find joy and peace and contentment and that life is good. Life might not be perfect, but life is good. Versus over here, I'm uneasy. I'm unsettled. I don't like, I don't feel good in my skin. I, I don't feel good in my life. I don't feel good in whatever. Cause there's a lot of, dysphoria out there. There's a dysphoria on gender, but there's a dysphoria in relationships. It's like, I'm uneasy. I'm unsettled. I don't like my life in my relationship. We realized this is a church a few months back. In fact, we've tried to address it in many ways as we can. And uh, this coming month, we're actually launching 
several mentoring marriages. These are real life people, just members of Grace Point, living life like you're living it. They're not perfect marriages, but they're strong marriages. And they're saying, you know what? Maybe I can take the years and the stories and the bumps and the bruises of my life, and maybe I can walk with somebody who's needing somebody to walk with them. And so it's not a big program. It's not going to be uh, advertised a lot, but it's just out there. And if you're interested in that, then say, say, Mike, you know what? Our marriage isn't perfect, but it's, we're kind of suffering from some relationship dysphoria. Or, we, or we're, we're new at marriage and we want to do it right. And maybe we didn't have good examples growing up. And so that's an opportunity for you. But again, this dysphoria, it's very real. There's job dysphoria. There's people on their jobs right now that are like, man, I'm just not easy. I'm just not, not at ease. I'm not happy. Status dysphoria. There's identity dysphoria. I don't like who I am. I don't even know who I am. And the world keeps telling me I'm this or that. Who am I? Who am I? Would the real me please stand up? Because when you live in this world, and I heard this when I was growing up, and I still just remember it, you're not who you are. I'm not what I am. I'm not what I think I am. I am what I think other people think I am. I'm not what I am. I'm not what I think I am. I'm what I think other people think I am. So again, whenever you live in this confusion, in this vortex, you get sucked in and you, you just want to say, would the real me please stand up? Let me, let me tell you a, a story that happened just a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what about my face that says, hey, come up and tell me your story. But I'm literally in a business that I hadn't been in a business in a long time, this, this business in a long time. And I'm talking about this product and this person that's helping me begins to tell me their story. And, and really, and they don't even know I'm a pastor or anything like that. So there's nothing about me that says that, 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 you know, tell me your story. But this lady begins to tell me that this past 12 months that she's been divorced and she took her, her, her only child to college. And this is the next statement that she made. And I just remember it so real. She said, I'm no longer a wife and I don't feel like I'm any longer a parent. And then she said this. Who am I? She's asking a rank stranger, who am I? There's a lot of dysphoria about life out there. Who are we? And sometimes in this world, it's not who we feel we are. It's not who the world says we are. Who are we? And getting to the who is incredibly important. The why, as we talked about last week, comes before the who. All right, but this world will tell you, you don't start there. You start with the what. If you were here last week, Brett shared with us in, 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 in the culture in which we live, we tend to want to go towards what. What are you about? Where are, what, what is your aim? And he talked about, no, we start with the why. See, conventional wisdom starts on the left side and says what, how, who, and then why. That's what conventional wisdom will tell you. But what clarity will tell us is we start with the why. That moves us to the who. Then we go to the what. And then we go to the how. Then we go to the what. So we, as, we, as we unpack this over the next several weeks, let's understand we're not in the conventional track. Because, for example, whenever you, and this world lives in that world, okay, in the sense that we're always asking, what do you do? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to major in? 
Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to do a survey here real quickly. How many of y'all went to college, got a degree in something, but today you're not doing what you got a degree in? All right, raise your hand. All right. That is a good number of people in this room right now. All right. What happened is they went to school. They said at 18, what are you going to do when you grow up? Okay, I'm going to do this. I need to go get a degree in this. It all makes sense, right? If we're asking in the most important question is what, but the most important question is not what, it is why. And we talked about it last week. It's to know him and to make him known. And whether you're selling goldfish or you're selling hot dogs or you're selling or, or, or you're not selling or you're you're serving or you're teaching or you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, whatever the case may be, it's not about what, it's about why. And that's where it starts, and that's what it comes back to. The why is followed not by the what, but by who. Because once I know why I exist, then I need to d- deal with the question of who am I? Who am I in the grand scheme of things? Here's what I want to encourage you in the life principle. Jot it down. Remember this. Don't let the what I do define the who I am. Don't let the what I do with 12, 13, 15 hours of your day, don't let that define the who you are. We need to establish the why, which Brett did that last week. We need to establish the who. Who am I in this grand scheme of things? And then I can move on to the next. How and the what and the where and the other questions that may matriculate out of that. So take your Bibles and open to the book of Colossians. We were in chapter 1 last week. We'll be in chapter 2 this week. And I want to come back to that whole disillusional life temptation that we can be sucked into because Paul gives us a warning in chapter 2 verse 4 he says I say this now just for the notation this that he's referring to is what he says in the verses prior to we'll come back there in a moment I say this what he says in verse 2 and 3 in order that no one may delude you that you be sucked in, deceived, and lived a deluded, delusional life. With what? Plausible arguments. Man, do we have the plausible arguments. We have theories and we have philosophies and we have ideologies and we have new ideas and old ideas. We've got so much out there. And I just want to challenge you as Paul is challenging us all. Don't get sucked in to the lies. Because they smell, they look, they sound, and everyone else is doing it, fill in the blank doesn't mean it's right and good. Don't let that define you. Look what he does say should mark us. What he said, I say this, what's this? Verse two and three. He says that their hearts may be encouraged. He wants us to experience not delusional life or dysphoria. He wants us to experience euphoria. He wants us to experience joy. I literally wrote those two words in the margins of my Bible. For their hearts may be encouraged 
being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God. Why? Where do I find this, this, this joy? Where do I find this knitting together in love? Where do I find this riches? Where do I find this knowledge? Where do I find this all encompassing in the mystery, which is Christ? The why being to know him and to make him known will also be the very element that will bring the joy, the love that knits us together, the, the riches that sustains us through life, the knowledge that gives us wisdom to see and, and, and to navigate life. Because, as Paul said, I don't want you to be deluded. I don't want you to be sucked in. I don't want you to be deceived. As he gives this to us, now go to verse 6 in this same passage. Therefore. Now, anytime you see therefore, you need to ask wherefore, therefore is therefore. There's a reason it's there. It's pointing again back. Because of everything that I just said to you, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. That's going to be the basis for everything he's going to say next. And what we're going to see next in the next few verses that we're going to read is we're going to see one prepositional phrase after another prepositional phrase after another prepositional phrase. And he's going to say in him, he's going to say with him. And he's going to do it about eight or nine times. You count them up. And as you're reading theirs with me, you circle them in your Bible, and that way you'll, you'll, they'll pop off the page. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Every time you see that prepositional phrase, in Him or with Him, I want you to read it out loud with me. So let's do this interactively. So let's say it start at the beginning again. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk rooted and built up established in the faith just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving so to it that no one see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies or empty deceit according to the human tradition according to the elementary spirits of the world not according to Christ for in him that's weak sauce come on now uh, the whole fullness of god dwells bodily and you have been filled there we go uh in him uh, who is the head of all rule and authority in him you, uh, you also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were raised through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you were dead in trespasses and, and the uncircumcision of the flesh and God made alive together having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. Literally, we had a debt that stood against us in its legal demands. And he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in open shame by triumphing over them in him. You can see a common thread here. 
This whole connection of who is not just answering the question, who am I? That's not the question. The real heart level question is, who am I in Christ? Because he is writing it to those who had received Christ Jesus the Lord. We just pointed that out. Now he then goes in, therefore, and talks about the in him and 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 the in and the with him. You get what I'm saying? It's all ties back to the who I am. And he's what he's going to point out to us in this passage is he's going to show us four things. Because that we are in him, I am grounded. I am free. I am full and I am alive. Say them with me. I am grounded. I am free. I am full and I am alive. Say it again. I am grounded. I am free. I am full and I am alive. Now, what's really important is to understand what these mean for us in the day-to-day life and how they literally bring euphoria, encouragement, love knitting us together. How do these things complete us so that I can know why I exist, so I can live in who I am, so that I can go out into this world and do what God has called me to do. And it's not just what he's called me to do, which is where the world tells you to focus. As you look at this, I want us to unpack these four identity markers of who you are in Christ if you are in Christ today. Number one, I am grounded in him. Now, there's a lot of words I, I, I literally struggled. I changed the words on different to try to capture because he uses metaphorically so many different words. But I think they're all pointing back to the same thing. When you look at this, he says, I, in verse 6 and 7, he says, you're walking in him. You're rooted in him. You're built up in him. You're established in him. If you look at all those words, it just appears as if he's really pointing to some sure-footedness, some security where I am grounded, where I am solidly planted on the ground, where I can move through life with confidence, security, and strength, and stability, and be established, and be able to make it through the storms, through the empty deceit, through the false falsehoods of this world. I can make it. You can send your kids out of this world and they can be sure-footed and strong and endure. And, and, and so your marriage can be strong and endure. It doesn't have to be weak. It doesn't have to be unstable. It doesn't have to be stagnant. And whenever you look at David, D- David was also a guy who used a similar phrase. David, back in the Old Testament, back in the book of Psalms, back in chapter 1, he literally talks about this whole idea of being grounded, established in the ground. And he talks about it in verse 1 and 2, but then he really gives us a beautiful picture of what that looks like in verse 3. He says, they are like trees. Trees are not weak, typically. Planted, grounded, secure, established. Planted along the riverbanks. The more the water there is, the more those roots go. The further they can go. Bearing fruit. I like this one in each season. Some people only bear fruit when times are good. But have you ever lived a life where you bore fruit throughout the seasons of life? Good, bad, and indifferent. 
planted by the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. What a verse. Give me that. Sign me up. That's the life I want. It happens in Christ when I'm rooted, when I'm established, when I'm walking, when I'm, when I'm grounded, when, when I'm firmly affixed to him. The world doesn't just toss me about. The winds may come, the storms may come, the droughts may come, but I'm still rooted and grounded and established in him. Now, that doesn't happen for everyone. That's verse 3. If you go on and you read verse 4, you find another description. He says, but the wicked... They're like the worth, they're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. The wind blows the tree, it doesn't move. It just bends. It gets stronger. The roots grow deeper. But when you're just chaff, all it takes is a good gust and you're over. Scattered by the wind. They, they are condemned in the time of judgment. The path of the wicked leads to destruction. You might know some people that would fit verse four and five. You look at their life and man, they're just, they're just here one day and they're gone next. They're in this relationship one day. They're, 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 they're in one job one day and they're not happy with that job. So they're in another job another day. They're, they, they live in a constant state of dysphoria. They have not found themselves planted and growing and established. What kind of, if you were to describe your life in a gift, what kind of gift would you give your life? I think this person who lives a life of destruction is like a dumpster fire. They're just floating down and they can't, they, they can't put the, there's water all around them, but they can't put the fire out. They, they, they can't get established. They're just kind of going, this is not something that Paul writes here flippantly in Colossians and David just happened to write back in Psalms. David, Paul continues this theme. Even James talks about it in James chapter 1, being tossed about by every wind. Paul said in Ephesians 4.14, he said that they may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves that have carried them on every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness and deceitful schemes. Here's what I want to encourage you is if you're going to be strong and grounded in this world, you need to go deep and you need to go wide. You need to go deep in your faith, deep in that walk. And listen, we've got communitas that is a group. We had 60-something people sign up. We've got groups all out there in the gallery. You can sign up for any of them. And there are going to be people who say, I don't want to do it alone. I want to be knit together. Let's do this together. Let's go about it together. But it's also, it's not only going deeper, but it's also going wider. Where we learn to lock arms and come together and do this together. Remember that phrase that I used in the very beginning in verse 2? He talks about being established in the encouragement and talks about being knitted together in love. We're not going through life alone. If you're going through your faith journey alone, man, I tell you what, you're in a dangerous position. All it takes is a new wind of idea, a new philosophy to come through, and you'll be blown over there. You need to be rooted and grounded and established, and we do that in a relationship with Christ. I want to personally invite those who say, I want to be a part of a community like that. Next Steps weekends, a couple of weekends from now, I invite you. 
to come and learn about belonging. Belonging to a community that we're not perfect, but we're trying to grow deeper. And we're trying to lock arms and grow wider as we move through life so we can be grounded through the storms and the, and the twists and the turns that we may go through. Are you grounded? Or are you just being tossed to and fro? Am I free? Because that's the second identity marker. I am free in Christ. We are called to be free. Jesus said, I came to set you free. He said, if I set you free, you will be free indeed, John 3, uh, uh, John 8, 30, 36. You will be free. It's not you might be free. It is you will be free. Future, middle, indicative. The idea is it's going to happen today and it's going to keep happening the rest of your life. If you're in freedom and out of freedom, in freedom and out of freedom, that's not the freedom that Jesus speaks of. It's the idea that we are set free and never to go back to slavery again. Some people have a hard time. They cycle in and they cycle out. They cycle in, they cycle out. In fact, Paul said it like this in Galatians 5.1. He said, the freedom that has set us free, the freedom that Christ has set us free, stand firm, therefore, don't get off of it, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, just think about that. Who in their right mind, if Jesus has set them free, would they put themselves back into slavery? He tells us to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's a pretty awesome reality is that when I'm free and I'm walking in the Spirit, I won't go back to slavery. What does this slavery look like? The works of the flesh are evident. And then he gives a whole laundry list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. In case you don't get it, it's on not, your list is not up there, all these things that relate to this. Things like this. It's not an exhaustive list. But I do notice this, that the first three, you notice the first three? They're all sexually related. There is such a sexual perversion of our culture that we have to, got to be very, very careful as believers that we do not get sucked in to the false theology, the bad philosophy, the self-justification or the rationalization that marks our day and age, lest we find ourselves back in the slavery that Jesus never intended us to be in. I think about the story of William Nibs. He followed his brother, who was a missionary to Jamaica, who died at like somewhere around 23. And his brother was so moved by his older brother giving his life to be a missionary to Jamaica. And who wouldn't, I would love to be a missionary to Jamaica, to be honest with you, but uh, not for the right reasons. But uh, anyway, he was going there long before the gospel had gotten there. And it was his passion to go there, to fill the shoes of his brother. Fill those shoes, big shoes to fill. He got him a wife that was willing to leave, and literally their honeymoon was spent on a ship going from one side to the other. He got over there during the day and served during the day of the Emancipation Proclamation of the island of Jamaica. And on that night that they celebrated, the day was marked on the calendar whenever all of the slaves of Jamaican islands would be set free. 
And on that night, he built as a ceremony a great big coffin. And then he asked all of the slaves that he had been building relationships with, sharing the gospel with, to come and to bring their shackles, to bring their whips, to bring their, their, their slave garments, to bring their chains, and they were going to put them in the coffin. And they did. And on that night at midnight, the clock rang and the, and the missionary Nibs said this. He said, the monster is dying. The second ring of the bell, the second ring of the clock, the monster is dying. Third ring, the monster is dying. By the twelfth ring, the crowd got the idea and they started chanting, the monster is dead. The monster is dead. Let us bury him. And they took the lid of the coffin with all their their symbols of slavery. They put a lid on it, they nailed it shut, and they buried it in the ground. What a night! 10,000 people were reported there on that night. That was one night. And the next day, you know what happened? Those same people got up and went back to their slave masters because all they knew was slavery. All they knew and everything that they made their living from and everything that they existed from was tied back to the slave masters. And they lived in slavery. The reality is that Christ can set us free, but we may choose because that's all we know maybe to live in the slavery of that. May we realize as our identity is not in our feelings, is not in the what of what we do, it is in who we are And we are grounded in Christ. We are free in Christ, but we are also, I am full in Christ. I am full. We're all full of something, right? You've heard that saying out there, full of manure or another word, full of themselves. You know, people full of themselves or they're full of wisdom. Maybe you know somebody that's full of wisdom or they're full of ideas. They got lots of ideas. There's, you're full of something. But what Paul points us to and what he prayed for the people and what Brett says he prays for his children at night when he lays them down in in, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. It is possible, it is simple to know his will. You can be filled with the knowledge of his will. But he doesn't stop praying that they would be filled in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Verse 9, he says it like this. For in him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells, that you have been filled in him who is the head, the rule, and the authority. I can be full of the very presence of God. The fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. He was fully God, fully man. But when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send my spirit And my spirit will live and abide in you forever. You will be full of the spirit. And that's why when it's a command, uh, when, when Paul gives it, to be filled with the spirit. We are filled with something. Are we filled with the spirit? We spent a time this past uh, spring or summer dealing with uh, Get Lit series. And the whole idea is get lit on the Holy Spirit. That we would be intoxicated, consumed, saturated by God's spirit. 
There was one quote that I read from A.W. Tozer that I kept filed away and I never could find that place to use it in that message series that I want to share with you today. Listen very carefully. He, the Holy Spirit, will never, never flood the life of any man except the man in whom Jesus is glorified. Therefore, if you dedicate yourself to the glory of Jesus and the Holy Ghost will become the aggressor. I like that phrase. And he will seek to know you and raise you and illumine you and fill you and bless you. That's what the Holy Spirit does whenever our life is all about the glory of God and what is his plan and his desire. And the why is is that we would know him and make him known so that we can fully be known and fully loved by God and fully experiencing him, being grounded in him, being full of him and being free by him. But number four is that we're also made alive. We are grounded We're free, we're full, we're also alive. Are you alive in him? Do you know what it means to walk in that alive state, in that breathing where you are breathing and he is breathing through you, where he has made us alive together, as it says in verse 11 and following. In him, we, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ, having been buried. Notice the death symbol there. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power and the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, God, read this next phrase with me, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. He makes us alive. You may not feel dead, but I'll promise you this. If you have not experienced life in Christ, you are dead in the flesh. If you have not experienced the new life that he gives, my friends, only thing I can ask of you is just consider today what it might mean for you to have your identity less about you and more about him in you and him in a relationship with you. What would that look like? It would look like you're grounded. It would look like you're free. It would look like you're full. And it would look like you are alive. I didn't bring this up earlier. I want to come back to it quickly. And it's the phrase that he said in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus. I can't miss that. I can't skip over that because that is actually the key phrase that unlocks the entire passage. If you haven't received Jesus... Everything I just talked about, being grounded, being free, being full, being alive, is not true of you. In John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the rights to become the children of God. Receiving Jesus is absolutely paramount to being in grounded, free, and full, and, and alive in Christ. Do you know him today? So Lori and I celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary and she surprised me. She gave me a dog, a puppy. I love the puppy. All right, I am 
I am the man I thought I'd never be. I post photos of puppies now. <laughs> Follow me and I will show you my beautiful Rhodesian Ridgeback puppy. Um, and if you're good, I'll let you pet him. But uh, it reminded me of a story that I was, I remember reading a number of years ago of a, a father and a son and the father taking the son to the pet store to look for a puppy. And walks in the store and they had this little cattle crawl looking thing on the ground and all the puppies were in there. But there was one puppy that was full of energy. It was over in the corner and it was jumping and, and, and moving around and its little tail was just going like this. The backside just waving and smiling and, and just full. All the other ones were playing with each other and sleeping or eating or whatever else. But there was this one puppy that was fully alive in its hotel just kept waving at you. And the boy said, Daddy, I want the one with the happy ending. (laughs) Looking at his tail. You know, I can't tell you how your life is going to end. I didn't tell you, I can't tell you how your life began. And I can't tell you all that's going to happen in the middle. But I can tell you this. A life without Christ is not grounded, is not full, is not free, and is not alive. My challenge to you, if you want clarity on life, start with Jesus as a part of your life, every day, defining your life, giving you your who. The who you are is more important than what you do. Would you bow your heads with me? I feel after last Sunday and we took Lord's Supper that maybe we might have got it a little out of order. That maybe we should have started with this simple invitation. Have you ever received Jesus? Because that's really where you start your journey to living the why, to knowing the who, the who you are in Christ. If you don't have the who today of I am in Christ and Christ is in me, then right where you're at, would you just tell Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I want you. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to be yours, Jesus. Around this room will be some prayer partners. If you want to pray with somebody, if you want to go to them, You just got to go up to them and just say, hey, I don't know what I need to do next, but I want to be a Christ follower. I want Christ in me, and I want to be alive. I want to be free. I want to be full. I want to be grounded. You just tell them. They'll pray with you. Father God, I thank you for these moments. They come and go so quickly. But it's in moments like these that you change lives. So, Father, in this space, in this time, in this place, would you be real? And the same Jesus that that conquered our death of sin, conquered death, hell, and the grave, wants to set us free, wants to fill us with his spirit, 
Lord, you want to give us a life and you want to put us on sure footing in this world of chaos and confusion. Lord, would you ground us in you today? We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together? Go to one of our prayer partners if you want to pray with someone.